Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. How much does a dog walk cost you to do? How much does it cost you to stay overnight in somebody's home? These are things that as businesses, we have to fully understand to make sure that we can run a successful business and, and be here tomorrow and the next day and then next year and then the year after that. But do we fully understand what it means to cost us? And that's a conversation we're super excited to have with Jill Jaffe, owner of Fur Paws Sake, in honor of Lily. Let's get started. My name is Jill Jaffe. I'm based out of Dallas, Texas. However, I'm originally from um, L.A. County, uh, born and raised. Moved out here um, back in 2005, and I've been here ever since. And uh, I own and operate my own pet sitting company, uh, including dog walking for policy pet sitting. And uh, yeah, started about, um, uh, gosh, actually 10 years ago this month. Um, I used to work at a, the largest banking and mortgage firm uh, in the country. And uh, actually, I survived one layoff. <laughs> I was laid off and then rehired by the same company. And um, the second time around, um, they uh, asked me and the other people in my in my group to work from home. So we started working from home. This was at the beginning of I think 2012. And uh, in the midst of that, my best friend who owns a company in Los Angeles, and she's been doing this now 13 years, um, she kind of started pressing me to pet sit. And I told her I, I just couldn't leave my job, you know, because I, I have benefits. <laughs> you know, it's a little difficult to, you know, get benefits when you're working for yourself. So, right. um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, she planted the seed in my head. And so I put an ad up on Craigslist and uh, got my first dog walking client three times a week for a nurse. And so I would do that during my lunch hour. Um, my My hours with my full-time job was pretty flexible. As long as I did my full day's work, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, so my hour lunch became like an hour and a half, maybe, <laughs> including the driving. Um, but I, I would work later in the day in my my regular job. And then it kind of escalated. I started getting a few more inquiries. So it was, it was becoming um, a little bit more difficult to just stay within that hour, hour and a half. Um, so I would try to do walks um, before my regular hours at work. And, uh, and then after, and, uh, then about three months into working from home, uh, I started hearing rumors within the company that there were going to be, uh, layoffs again. And I had this sick feeling in my stomach mm. and sure enough, I got the call from my manager and, uh, and, uh, I was let go and, uh, you know, I mean, I had a nice severance package. I wasn't upset. Sure. Um, so I packed up all my stuff. The day that I got my call, I sent it back to the main office and I sat down in my chair and had a little freak out moment. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I think that I'm going to do this. I'm going to start pet sitting. And so that's what happened. I just kept putting ads up on Craigslist, you know, because they kind of drop off after maybe a week or two. So I, I had to keep reposting them and I would get more inquiries. And uh, then I said to myself, why not just build a website? So I did. I built, you know, one of those basic websites through, I think it was Weebly. And oh my goodness, it just like exploded. I, I was getting a lot of calls. Um, not always in my area, but the thing is back then, you know, we all do this when we start pet sitting is that we want to take on every client that comes away. 
And that's what I was doing. I was going 10, 15, 20 miles away, which here in Dallas can be a little strenuous with the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and especially with the, the explosion of, of people coming in from other states to move here, it was becoming a little bit harder to get to my clients on time. So I had to shrink down my area. Um, but yeah, so that's how I started pet sitting. You know, I was working for another company, got laid off and decided I'd, I could work for myself. Um, and it took probably a good six months to really see kind of like, you know, a steady enough income where I can actually pay my rent without worrying or, you know, completely using up my severance package. I mean, at that point, probably six months that I did, but I wasn't stressing as much. Take us back to that moment where you said you had that little freak out period in your living room. Um, I mean, how are you processing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really freaked out for for quite a while, actually. <laughs> I mean, as I was packing up my stuff, because but I also felt this sense of relief because I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. And because I already had this mindset, like at some point I'm going to get laid off because it happened before, like three years before I was laid off because there was another merger, you know, with a smaller company being taken over by the bigger one, you know, Um I I felt like if I don't make this transition now, then I'm going to have to work for somebody else again. And I didn't want to. I was done actually, you know, having a boss. So I, I it probably took about an hour before I settled down and took my dogs for a walk. <laughs> and then came back in going, okay, I need to write a, some little plan out for myself. You know, I called my mother and told her what happened. And she was a little worried about me. And I said, don't worry. I got this covered, you know. I'll make it work. You know, it's just, I, Oh, here was the thing is that I had to learn how to price, you know, my rates. And the thing is like we all do, well, many of us did this is that we all, you know, find out what other pet sitters are charging in our areas and based it off of that. And that's kind of what I did, but I also did what my best friend was doing. The prices in LA at the time were actually about the same here in Dallas. So Hmm. I kind of worked off of her model just because I didn't know. And she was three years into this, but I didn't, like exactly how she she had her setup, so I I made some tweaks as tweaks tweaks to this, um, but yeah, so you know it didn't take long to recover from getting that phone call from my manager that I was being laid off. You know, I mean, he was very sweet about it, and and I think it helped calm me down. And uh, yeah, I just moved forward. Well, it sounds like kind of already having this side thing in the works helped a lot with that transition for you to know at least there was well, maybe I can try this and move forward. But there's all these other thoughts that come in that. And But it sounds like you're also pretty resolute of, okay, not again. I, I don't want, I don't want to go through that again. So I'm going to make some changes for me personally. And and that's a, that's a, that's an interesting place. I think a lot of us reach, especially whenever we're just starting of, yes, there's the, I want to be with pets. I want to help people. But there's also this personal drive of what am I getting out of this, right? There is a particular freedom that comes from this that a lot of us are seeking after when we make this decision to go in into business for ourselves. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that for, you know, 20 plus years, I was always working for somebody else on their hours, on their schedule. And their demands. Whereas here I can work off of what's going to make me comfortable and the clients comfortable and their pets. Their pets are my number one priority. So in order to make sure that everyone's happy, I have to make sure that I can do things under 
how I want to structure it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, bending a little bit with what the client needs, but ultimately this is, this is going to be for my benefit because if I'm not happy, then no one's going to be happy. Right. Right. And that is the, the interesting driving f- force behind a lot of our schedules. You know, many of us say, oh, I want to I want to go into this for the flexibility and the freedom. And then we find ourselves with no flexibility and no freedom because mm-hmm. of what we take on. So how have how have you managed to keep those boundaries up? Because in this, it's so easy to suddenly just have 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week for year after year after year doing this kind of work. And I did that. Mm. And I still do at times. Don't get me wrong. I still do this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I do it for certain clients. So, um, you know, again, I, I, when I was mentioning before that when we start out pet sitting, we're taking on any and everybody. And it didn't matter where because we didn't understand how difficult it would be to drive. You know, the driving is a huge factor on a daily basis of of where our time goes. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't work on numbers specifically in this case, but the point being is that, you know, you're, you're easily driving 40 to 60 miles a day on a busy day when you have 10 plus 15 visits a day, you know, and that, that was the case for, case for me over uh, July 4th weekend. And I mapped everything out and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my, I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it on occasion, but I can't do this, you know, four five, six, seven days straight. It just, right. it's too exhausting. But um, yeah. So um, you know, I was offering everything, drop-ins, dog walking, and overnight visits. I thought overnight visits were like, oh man, I'll be staying in, you know, wonderful homes with the most well-behaved pets. And, um, you know, the clients tell me that I can make myself at home and eat their food. So I don't have to worry about bringing dinner over, um, you know, use, use the spa and the, you know, the, uh, the pool, which I don't ever do. Right. <laughs> um, and, well, that, that's a whole other thing is my mother's instilled it since we were children, never to swim alone. So oh. anyway, so the, I never did. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, you think that you have it made that, you know, working 10, 12 hours is not such a big deal because you get to be with animals all day long. And over time, it's it becomes very exhausting. And, um, and, and I cringe every single time I see newer pet sitters saying, I love doing the overnights. I, you know, I get to be with the animals all day. I'm like, but do you realize that your, your lack of sleep is going to hinder your performance on a daily basis? If you continue to do this, you know, two weeks out, I saw someone comment that they were doing 64 straight overnights. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I'm like, how are you sleeping? <laughs> um, but then again, everyone's lifestyle is different. You know, I, at the time when I started pet sitting, I had, um, uh, three dogs and one cat, and they were they they didn't have the needs that they do now because they were younger, you know. Um, and it, and I wasn't in tune with, um, you know, a, a schedule. So if they had an accident in the house, it wasn't a big deal for me. And their pee pads, you know, it, was, it wasn't that worrisome for me. But now with the health issues that my pets have, I'm a lot more concerned. You know, mm. and I'm getting older, you know, I don't sleep well, <laughs> you know, I, I need my own bed. And even with my own bed, I don't always sleep well because one of the animals will wake me up, you know? Um, yeah. So doing these long shifts, um, I don't advise. And, and of course the next step for any pet sitter, which I've done in the past and will be doing again in the future, if you want to maintain having these full schedules is to hire. You know, um, and it's, it's, it can be quite difficult to find people that will truly understand 
what's all involved. You know, it's not just staying with the animal. It's all that driving. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you, you, you talked about your, your services there. So you don't currently offer overnights. Is that correct? I don't. Um, I have one client who um, has requested them and I will do it for her because I've been walking her dog for like eight years. So she's, she would be the only one. Uh, but no, because I, I know him so well. And I actually take my own dogs with me when I go walk him five days a week when the weather's mm. cooler. So he knows the dogs and my dogs know him. So it's all good. And she's, she's okay with it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't offer overnights anymore. When when Megan and I first started, that was almost what we did exclusively was was overnight care, and I mean it was it was just chaos. We we took the city we were living in it was actually uh, Lubbock, Texas at the time. She took the west side, I took the east side, and we just kind of rotated through visits. And there was a month or two that we didn't really even see each other, and uh, we didn't sleep in our same bed. Like we didn't even go back to our apartment all that much, and it was it was it was exhausting. It was exhausting, and the problem was is that it was exhausting, but there was work to be done, and so you get caught in this this kind of this mindset of well, I guess this is just what this is, right? And there's so much work that I'll always be busy, and being busy is good, so I should just keep taking these on, so I'm always busy because that's good. And this loop continues, and until you take that step back and go, but what? Where's my agency in this? What do I actually want to be doing, and how do I want to live? Because again. We get into this business to have that flexibility, and then we end up going sixty-four overnights back to back. I think my longest slew of overnights was between two clients, lovely clients, great animals, uh, was seventeen days, and it was over my birthday, and I was so upset that I couldn't even celebrate my own birthday mm. because my birthday is on, on July third. So you can imagine it's always busy yeah. <laughs> because people are going out of town, right? And I, before I started pet sitting, I never worked on my birthday. I always took it off. Mm. And ever since I began pet sitting, I've been working. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's, there's the rewards of it of being, you know, of working and, you know, the income coming in. But to what cost? That's the thing is what's going to be the cost to you? you know, to, to survive in this industry, you know, how many hours do you want to put in? So th- that was one of the reasons why I decided, well, there is a main reason why I stopped offering overnights, um, but switching over to almost overnights, which has been a, bl- a blessing. It really has. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, we actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetobet.com slash confession. Walk us through that decision to finally cut out overnights for you. Um, kind of what was the final nail in the coffin? And then for, I, I really want to know, like, how did you start communicating that to existing clients? So um, my dog, Lily, who many of the people in the pet sitter groups are aware of because I talk about her all the time. She, her, um, she's not a well-bred poodle. And thankfully, I, I, you know, someone gave her to me 
for free. So I didn't, I didn't pay for her. Um, but she has been literally the most expensive dog I've ever had in my life. Um, she has a condition. It's a genetic disease called intervertebral disc disease or IVDD. And it doesn't show up right away. Um, and there could be nothing that has happened. Um, and it'll just show up or something as easy as, um, stripping over the dog bed that will it basically it's the herniated disc or mm. calcification along the spine which can cause a dog to to become paralyzed if it's not caught on quick enough um thankfully her first episode happened in 2016 and um uh the vet the vet didn't give me the severity like i'd never even heard of what this was and uh so she recovered um and I continued to allow her to jump on and off the bed, on off the couch, and going down the stairs. She couldn't, she couldn't go up the stairs, but I, I would let her go down the stairs. Well, it happened again a few days before I was set to do a week-long visit, a set of overnight visits at a client's home over Christmas. And this is like the worst time. Mm. It, it's just as bad as Thanksgiving because, you know doctors take time off work, you know, for the holidays, veterinarians do. Right. Yeah. So, uh, my normal vet was open, but all he could do was prescribe a couple medications to her, but she was not getting better. It, it was to the point where she was dragging her back legs. That's horrible. And you have to catch us within 24 hours to do something drastic. Um, unfortunately, you know, I have a good work ethic. I don't cancel all my clients. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, they were already gone on their trip. Um, and the, the thing I had to do was leave her at home alone. Um, she couldn't move. So unfortunately she was having accidents where she was sitting mm. and, um, I would come back in the, you know, the following morning and take care of her. And, um, it, it was awful for me because I felt guilty for leaving my own animal in pain at home where the medication wasn't working. And I couldn't take her to an ER because they couldn't do anything. She needed a neurologist, and the neurologist was not open until December 26. So as soon as December 26 um, came about, I rushed her over there with a referral from my vet. I had to beg them to give me the referral, which was not good. Um, and they took her right in. Um, thankfully, she hadn't really eaten yet, so they can put her under for an MRI. They found that she was at stage 2 IVDD and asked me if I wanted to put her uh, to have ever go into surgery, I said, do whatever you can. I will write whatever check. I don't care. And uh, once they took her in and I got the call that, uh, that she, you know, she did very well under surgery. She was, you know, sleeping and uh, I felt a sense of relief. Like it just washed over me because as you can imagine that, you know, you see an animal in pain or your child in pain and you're out of control. You, you can't, stopped it i wake up every night in my client's house in the middle of the night and realize that my dog was in pain and i couldn't help her and i would just cry myself back to sleep and that was it that was my that was the aha moment for me i'm done with overnights mm. so um i mean i still did them occasionally for like three or four clients who've been using me but they allowed me to bring her over when she finally recovered she did you know she made a full recovery she still kind of we, we call this in the ivdd community um the drunken walk or oh, waddle. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, still, she still has a drunken walk. Um, uh, a couple of my clients said, you know, you could bring her over. It's totally fine. Um, 
but outside of that, and those clients actually have moved away since um, since the pandemic. You know, a lot of people have sold their homes and moved out uh, or moved here. Um, and so uh, before that happened, and I think it was just before New Year's, after she got home, actually, I'll take that back. It was after New Year's. Um, she got back January 5th, she got home. One of my clients who I used to do overnights for has a Rhodesian Ridgeback and asked me if I could do overnights. And I asked her, I said, would it be possible we can try a two-hour evening visit? Let's just see how it goes with, with your dog. And um, and if if it doesn't work out, then I'll do an overnight for you. You know, I think it was for like four or five days. She said, okay, let's try that. And that's where it started. So we we did a two-hour evening visit. I came at probably like 7.30, 8 o'clock and stayed for two hours, put the dog in bed, and uh, came back the next morning to do an hour morning visit. And all was well, no accidents. The dog was happy to see me, totally relaxed, and, um, and came back in for the middle of the day to do the, the you know potty break. And I was like, you know what? This could work. This could really work, but I was stuck on what to call it, <laughs> you know? So for a long period of time, I was calling it um, extended evening uh, uh, pet sitting. I don't even remember what it's called. Um, and now I'm like, you know, let's just call this something like almost overnight. I went into one of the groups and asked them and they're like, oh, well, it's not an overnight. So you can't call it that. It's not the same. And uh, you know how you get backlash when you're <laughs> what do you want to try yeah. something new? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm kind of stuck on this. I'll call it extended evening. Oh, that's what it was. Extended evening visits um, officially on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on uh, precise pet care, I, and I tell my clients they're called almost overnights and they're two hours and you get three different packages you can choose from. So you've got the two hour evening and arrival can be anytime between 6.30 and 8.30 p.m. And I'll stay for the two full hours. Sometimes I stay three just because I'm really relaxed and I'm watching TV with the dogs when they're sleeping on me. (laughs) Um, It it just, you know, it all depends. depends on my energy level too. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I come back in the morning, anytime between uh, 7.30 and 9.30 a.m. I really try not to push it to 9.30, obviously, but um, it, because I stay later, I can make sure to take them out for that last potty break. Um, so they're, they're pretty good about holding if I come at eight o'clock in the morning and, um, and then they can choose a 30, 45 or 60 minute morning visit and a midday visit. And, um, my packages only include the two hour evening and whichever time to visit in the morning they want. Uh, this, the middle of the day visit is separate. And the reason why I did that is because some clients have uh, dog doors and, um, so they don't need or want that middle of the day visit. And what's great about the two hour evening visits, if I come a little bit earlier, I can feed them their dinner. Whereas with overnights, a lot of the times, many, I'll say seasoned professional pet sitters start <laughs> between 8 and 10 p.m., which, you know, we don't want to feed those dogs so late at night. You know, we try not to. Um, a lot of clients choose the, you know, doing two drop-in visits, one in late morning, or at least my clients did when I was doing overnights. Um, they would want a late morning, like 11, you know, for 30 minutes and then come back in between four and six to do a dinner visit. So mm-hmm. that way they stay on track. But with almost overnights, you can really do basically the same thing without having to go a, a second time in the middle of the day just to feed them dinner. But that's not always the case. So. Um, I, I have been known to do two back to back almost overnights, which 
I don't always recommend. <laughs> it can, it could be a little exhausting. Um, yeah. But uh, so that would that would make me have to push that middle of the day visit closer to like four ish. And then I'll just give them the dinner then, which it works out. It just, it really is dependent on how old the dog is, you know? Um, and if there's any medications involved, obviously that's going to change things. Um, but yeah, my clients love this. I haven't had pushback. And, you know, when I have had new inquiries of um, clients wanting overnights, I just let them know I, I'm not available to do so at this time. I don't have staff to do it at this time. Would you like to try this alternative? And see how it goes. And I've had clients do it. Like, how? no joke here. I just had um, a, a client text me asking me for Labor Day weekend. I just saw the blurb come up. Oh, no. And I just did I just did 10 days two weeks ago um, of almost overnights. And she was, um, she's a new client. I've had her since last year. And consistently, she's been doing almost overnights every time. So, and it works out well. So, mm. I love doing it. Yeah, oh. it's great. This is why I push it so hard with everybody who's complaining about sleeping at clients' homes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, you you started off there, Jill. I mean, I think, and I hope people, listeners, really heard your about the, the the cost that the overnights cost you, right? You you really counted and you felt that cost of when Lily was going through that. And we talk about, oh, know your numbers, know the cost to conduct a service. And many times it's how many miles is it away? What's the reimbursement rate for mileage? How much is your time worth? What are you expending? What was the training to go get in? How much is insurance being covered with? That's one aspect of this. The whole other aspect of cost to you is opportunity cost and peace of mind cost. What is doing something Mm -hmm. costing you the ability to do other things that you may want to, like going to your birthday, or the peace of mind of knowing that there are problems out there that you can't solve because you're locked away doing this one thing. Like those, yeah. the, there's no price that you can put on those. And then obviously there's the the sleeping aspect of, uh, I too very much value my sleep and I get it. It's so poor these days anyway. I don't want to risk mm-hmm. it. Somebody else help. But, but when we say know the cost, like what does this cost to you? You have to consider those and it's okay to go, you know what? It is too costly to my peace of mind to do this thing, regardless of whether it's overnights or whatever it is the client is asking of you. Your peace of mind and your well-being come before the financial aspects of conducting the actual service. And, and to really make sure that we understand that with anything that we're doing in our business, if it costs us too much peace of mind, if it costs us in our health and our well-being, whether that's spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, whatever that is, if it's costing us too much where we're not the person we want to be, no service is worth it. And it's okay to say no. Amen. <laughs> that pressure, that that pressure from um it, it's not it's not necessarily clients because clients will accept most of the time, what services you will and will not do. It's actually pet sitters. You know, I mean, point blank, I just said this a couple minutes ago. I push almost overnights in the groups. And I do that when I see people complaining that their time is so limited and they're not able to sleep well um, or or the pets are unruly or there's, you know, clients are not forthcoming about, um, how much work is really involved with the pets that they have? Like, 
you know, doggy dementia. You know, oh. they they're up all night and they pace and they howl. I've done this. They pace it and they howl and they have accidents everywhere that you step in because you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, or or the medication that should have been given that clients don't tell you about, um, which could prevent the anxiety that these dogs and poor are suffering from. Uh, I thought I went through this and my poor part-time sitter. Oh my goodness. He went through this and I wasn't even aware. So when I talk about offering this type of service in lieu of overnights, I wish these sitters and newer ones wouldn't feel so offended by offering the alternative to better your own life. That's what it comes down to it. If your life is not in a good place, if you're constantly waking up tired and achy and you feel frustrated because you can't be with your own animals who are aging or your or your significant other because you're not home at night, but you, because you've committed to a client because you want to appease to them, um, then you need to reevaluate. And it shouldn't have taken my dog going down with a paralyzing disease to offer something else. It shouldn't have, but that's what it came down to. That was a catalyst because if it didn't happen, I would still be doing overnights to this day. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's not a problem until it is a problem. And many times mm-hmm. then we're too late. We hit this, we get this feeling of, well, I've already invested so much. This is the only thing that my clients like. There's no way they'll go. So I must, I'll just have to trudge through that sunk cost fallacy of, well, this I'm already this far into it. I might as well keep going and especially whenever we 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 think well we we are at the beck and call of our clients and that we must do whatever they ask of us and a lot of that time that's because sometimes it's our personality sometimes it's because we're desperate for the business it could be a, a, any number of reasons but when you but to not be afraid to just have a little bit of pushback and say oh hey i know you're asking for overnights let me tell you of how i can help and presenting something as a different option and then leaving it up to them to decide. But then we have to be okay with the decision that they make and knowing, hey, my peace of mind, my sleep's not worth this client at the end of the day. It's just not worth it and being okay with that. When, so Jill, when you when you talk to people about almost overnight, do they, do, do the clients, do they kind of get it pretty quickly and and see the value or do you kind of have to walk them through why it's okay for somebody not to be there the full time overnight? So I have a screening process on my website. It's a form for the clients to fill out. And if they make any notation that their dog has um, a medical condition, which causes them to go uh, get up in the middle of the night to let them out, um, then I'm not going to be the sitter for them. So I wouldn't even offer alternative overnights, uh, uh, almost overnights to them mm-hmm. because it wouldn't suit their pet. Um, if it's anxiety, that's another one. Say you, It sounds to me that you probably do need someone to be there all night. Yeah. And I'll tell them, I'm saying, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be the right sitter for you because it sounds to me that what your pet needs is something that is just not something that I can offer. It's not going to be conducive to their lifestyle, you know, and, and, and I don't want you to feel frustrated that, you know, I'm coming in every morning and there's a lot of accidents that are, that are, that would have happened if a pet sitter was there all night. So, you know, I now refer them out. I, I network with a lot of pet sitters all over D, uh, DFW of Dallas and, um, and we'll pass clients onto each other if we feel that we can't service them because they're out of our area, number one, um, or if it's a service that we don't offer. Um, 
and, and it's okay. I've, I've come to the realization that I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody. And clients may not be the right fit for me only because of the services I offer or don't offer. And I'm okay with it. I wasn't before. <laughs> I used to get very bothered when a client would tell me, well, your rates are a little bit, you know, out of our budget or, or, you know, I, I need you to stay longer or whatever it is. And, and, you know, it's like, but I, I want to people please. And yeah. I, I'm at the age now. It's like, I need to try to please myself first to take care of my needs and my pets before I can, if, People tell you this time and again, if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of others? Right. Mm. And unfortunately, it's taken me seven, eight years to figure that out into the business. And that's okay. It's totally okay. I just want to present it to other pet sitters that may be listening um, that you don't have to be tied down just because this is what the client wants. It's really going to be dependent on what the pets really need. Look at it that way. What do the pets need first? before the client just assumes that this is what they need, you know, cause we all do this. We all walk into a client's home and I, I do this. I scan the entire home going, how do I need to puppy proof this house? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, how do I need to block things off? So the dog doesn't go into the cat litter box because my dogs do this. This is why my litter boxes are upstairs, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, you know, so you assess things first going, okay, you know what? It looks to be that most likely your your dog is probably going to need something that, that I can't offer. And that's okay. Let me refer you out. I'm happy to help you. I don't want to leave them hanging, you know, and they're, they're so appreciative that they, I don't want to be left behind, you know, if I'm calling in for services and they're like, well, we can't help you. I'm like, well, can you refer out? No. Okay. Well, that's, that's not how I want to be. I've always worked prior to, um, being a pet sitter, I've worked in cu the customer service industry in some format. I was always told, help them out. Even if you personally can't help them, guide them into the direction that will help them because they'll remember that. So, and I get a lot of responses from those that I do have to decline. Thank you so much for providing this link to so-and-so. That's, oh my God, you've been a lifesaver. It, it makes me feel good knowing that even if I can't service them, at least I've helped them in some fashion. You had that phrase there of don't start with what the client wants, start with what the pet needs. Now, I think mm -hmm. that's incredibly powerful because while we are in a service industry, I've said it time and time again, at no point over the last 11 years has a dog ever reached into their pocket to pay me after a visit. It's always a client, right? So we <laughs> client's needs are important. Yes. But when we are looking at how our services can best fit them and solve their problem, we we start from the pets. And that's where our recommendations come from. And, and that can give us a lot of peace of mind in turning down potential asks. When we go, no, that's I can't serve that pet need. Or you're asking this, here's what I'm seeing and how I can help. Uh, meet this specific need that you're mentioning and redirecting it back to that with the hope and trust that every pet parent that's contacting us wants the best for their pet. They just may be misinformed, not understand, or have different expectations that they're bringing into it and are kind of needing us to guide them along that decision tree to get them to the point of whether they're going to use you or not. And, and that that's okay. But walking along that path is a little bit easier for a lot of us to go, okay, pet first, let me focus on them. And then let me talk to their, to the owner about those needs and start meshing these wants with the pet's needs and having that conversation with them. Absolutely. 
I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. I, I totally agree. Before we continue, I want to tell you about our friends at the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. NAPS is the only national nonprofit professional pet sitting association dedicated to raising and abiding by industry standards. NAPS provides pet sitters with the tools and resources to own and operate successful pet sitting businesses, and they have their in-person pet sitter conference coming up. It's called the Bloom and Grow Your Business, and it is March 1st through 3rd, 2024 in the beautiful city of Savannah, Georgia. Their goal is to bring together industry leaders with session topics that are idea-focused and on a wide range of subjects to foster learning, inspiration, and provoke a conversation that matters. Registration is still open until February 19th of 2024, and you can get that for $225 for that entire conference. Visit the NAPS website at petsitters.org for information regarding NAPS membership, certification, and complete conference details. Uh, now, I know um, one thing that comes to my mind, Jill, about dealing with the almost overnights is I, I am curious about how scheduling works because many of us b- book our days in 30-minute chunks or maybe 45-minute chunks. We may have an hour here or there where we're at a client. But when you are booking out two in a, two hours, sometimes three, right, if it's a really good TV show and you, the dog's really sleeping, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, how, how, do, how, does, how do you schedule that around maybe other pet sitting visits that you have in the evenings? I really try not to overbook myself. And I made that mistake last Labor Day week. And that's why I was laughing when my client just texted me that she wanted Labor Day weekend again. Because <laughs> what happened was that it's, it's, they're not always, um, you know, you know, clients, they, they're not always that proactive in planning ahead. Some of them do. And that's totally fine. What? You know, and That's it's, crazy. Not, I've never right. heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I'm, I'm also saying that these these clients who I adore, I love their dogs. And what's great is that they allow me to bring my puppies over, which helps me tremendously. And I'll get into that with the, the hours that you were talking about. Um, is that some clients who do plan ahead, I'm like, oh, great. I got a two-hour slot at night for five five nights. That's great. And then, bam, you get... In two weeks before Labor Day, here comes another one coin. Oh, okay. I'm going to have very late nights. So I do. I, I work those two in, but I really try not to take on any more um, clients with dogs that do the standard 30-minute drop-ins. I may do one more. One. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I know the routine well enough. I will not take on new clients. If I, if I see that I've got a really heavy evening schedule, which means I have a very heavy morning schedule. I, I don't, I won't take on more than I can handle because not only do I have to wake up much, much earlier, like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, I have to take care of my own animals. And it takes me, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I've got six dogs and two cats. Okay. And, yes. <laughs> right. Right. Well, imagine that the biggest dog is 15 pounds. So the smallest one is four pounds. So they're, you know, they don't take up a lot of room, but it's a lot of work, you know, with the feeding arrangements and the, the food prepping and it, you know, all that. And then walking them and taking them out in the yard, and, mm. you know, it, it, it takes time. Right. So, yeah. so I have to, where it didn't years ago, that's the thing. When I started my almost overnights, I only had one dog at the time. Mm. So, <laughs> so now it's a, it's a little bit, right? So it's a little bit more work. It's like, oh my God, I have another kid. I need to wake up earlier, right? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, scheduling can be a little tricky. Um, I sometimes forget to look at my schedule before I say yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but then when I look at going, okay, that's doable. I, I can take care of it. It's not a big deal. Um, but I, I'll, I'll immediately put a block on my schedule so that when clients try to submit requests in, you know, themselves, a lot of them will just schedule themselves or try to, which is okay. That's what I want. I may have to, uh, decline them if they're dogs, if they're cats who normally want two times a day, I'll say, I only have time for one and I really would love to do two, but I can only do one. And they're so okay with that because they know at least their pets are still getting cared for. You know, they don't want to have to go to another pet sitter and start all over again building that trust. And that's the biggest thing is that is the trust factor. So they know I'll make it work. I will make it work. I just won't sleep, (laughs) (laughs) but it's only a short time. It's not like, it's not like, um, you know, doing those overnights on top of 14 drop-in visits a day that I used to do that. That was in, and still going home in the middle of the day to take care of my pets. So yeah, not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important to note there of going, okay, this does take knowing your limits and it does take saying no to both existing and potential clients or trying to find a new way to adapt them into your schedule and being okay with that. Because I know if you're like me, when Megan and I see the request from a client that like we've that we've been servicing for the last you know, five years or whatever, and it's last minute and we don't have room for them, we feel terrible right we feel we you just feel awful that you can't do anything or even if you you knew if you tried to offer something it's not going to work and and but at the end of the day it's not our fault right but it is Mm -hmm. our problem but it's not our fault but we still feel bad when we can't take those those people on yeah yeah i mean there's always so many hours in the day obviously you know if we could literally just take out driving (laughs) we would be able to fit probably five more visits in right Oh, right? I know. Just teleport. I mean, seriously, we would never have to worry about. Oh my god, I got to get there in fifteen minutes, and there's a there's an accident. Oh my god, I have to go around. It's going to take me another twenty minutes. It, you know that. You know it's going to happen, right? Yep. And clients don't think of that. That's the other thing is that when they start saying, "Well, you know, why didn't you come here at at three oh five? It's like, well, you know, it's rush hour right now, and there's an accident. So, um. But they they generally know it's like you know I give them those large blocks of time. I don't allow them to do those one hour windows. You know I know some sitters that do that. Like why would you do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, but but you know scheduling probably you know the the two hour evening visits with three thirty minute drop in uh, evening visits and then going back in the morning to do you know multiple 30 minute visits it's doable it's totally yeah. doable you you just have to know first of all how long it's going to take you from one client to another what's involved with each household this is why i do extensive screening very important um and then um and then knowing how many hours that you can allot yourself to to take care of your own personal needs it that's it's just a, it's a juggling act that's what it is you know i i can only i don't have kids but i can only assume that's got to be what parents go through and I don't envy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, cuz th- that's the other aspect of this too of when you're looking at the schedule going, okay, maybe technically I could fit in more, but then I don't have time for me and I don't have time to go see my my I don't have to take care of my my pets or I don't have time to go pick up my kids from school or there's just simple things sometimes, Joe, where it's like, when am I, when am I fitting time in for a for an oil change or for a haircut or for like? Oh, a, you want to hear I, some funny? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I got to tell you this before I forget. So I, <laughs> I thought the 13th was yesterday. So I'm scrambling, going. I got to get my earbuds in 
because I'm thinking that our conversation was supposed to be yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh. on top, no, hold on a second. And on top of that, I was supposed to go do an oil change and brake fluid thing. So I was planning on taking my laptop to the dealership so we can have the conversation there. And uh, you can cut this out of our oh. interview if you wanted to. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I had food poisoning yesterday. So I'm like, oh my God, if I don't get get together by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to be able to do this interview. And then I look at the day going, oh my God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the wrong day altogether. So I spent four hours. I did go to the dealership. I spent four hours at the dealership. Oh. And I could have done the interview then. I'm like, oh, be nice and quiet. Wouldn't have any animals oh. <laughs> jumping all over me. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time we'll we'll schedule around your your oil change. That's what we'll we'll do. Make sure we get that on your schedule. Okay, then. <laughs> in four months time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it's you know going man. Can you believe it? Was, it took four hours or you know however long you were at the dealership to to get an oil change. And many uh-huh. people are now thinking of trying to find four hours in their day for literally anything else. And going, and you know how I look at this? That's how? four drop-in visits. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I look at time, and it's it's weird. It's really weird. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It it really, it really. I mean, that gets exactly to the point of what I was saying. Of going there. This is again about those costs that we're we're we keep coming back to. Of I could have a much fuller schedule, um, but. Um, I have no time for the oil change or the, to go grocery shopping. Like who? Like that's mm-hmm. a luxury for a lot of us. Of like, I've got, I've got, I've got 35 minutes. Quick, start the timer, and I'm going to send my report when I'm done with my visit at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's going like those are important too, right? And they have to get done because if we don't do them, if you don't get your oil changed, your car will not work to run the business that you want to be running like that's just oh my gosh yes right and so we have to take care of these things and yes they're a nuisance and yes they eat up time but that's part of it but that's a necessity that we have to do absolutely yeah and you know speaking of time so you know majority of my visits right now are midday visits you know i do have the vacation visits but i've got big block of midday visits and i think of myself if i go home to let my own dogs out which are really good they don't need me to come home like at one o'clock in the afternoon, because obviously I'm, I'm dog walking. Um, when am I going to get lunch? Right. Cause my dogs are all over me. They want my attention. So now what I'm having to do is I have to go out to eat. That's the only time I can allot myself because it will take me 30 minutes just to deal with my own animals. If that is usually an hour and then to go try to have lunch at home, that's not going to work. So I have to schedule myself 30 minutes just to eat by myself before I take care of my animals and then go right back out for the afternoon and evening visits. Time is precious. And I hope that other sitters that listen to this really think about what, how do you want to dedicate your time going forward? If you, if you want to dedicate it to 10, 12 hours sleeping at a client's home, have at it. Bless you. (laughs) But I think over time it, it does get a little tiresome, um, you know, just not being at home with, with, you know, your own loved ones, whether it's your own pets or your, or your family, you know, and here's the other thing. A lot of us have to, you know, say no to our family events. It's, it's sad, especially around the holidays, right? You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of us have had to say, no, we got to work, you know, we're committed to these jobs, you know, and we don't want to say no to our clients because one it's extremely busy time. So that's good for our business. Um, 
and financially it's really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, at what cost? How many years are we going to go through this? I mean, thankfully, there have been times I have been able to rush over to do a Thanksgiving dinner because I have that block of time, like four hours, which is fantastic. But we can't schedule that every single year unless we say no to clients. And that's okay if you want to do that or if you want to say yes to everybody. You know, that's whatever makes it work for you. But the end result is that what's most important to you as far as time goes, because you're never going to get it back. Never. Jill, I really want to thank you for coming on the show today to talk to us about counting those costs and understanding where our priorities lie and how that manifests itself on our schedule and what we do say yes to. Um, I know that this is something that you've been working on that that you have kind of struggled your way through. And so if, if people want to reach out, um, pick your brain on this or, or how to structure almost overnights to get some time back in their day. Um, how can people get in touch with you and follow along with your work? Um, they can go to my website. Um, I have my phone number. They are free to text me. I would prefer texting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, or they can send me an email. Uh, they'll, uh, they can do so through the uh, the contact form just in this section where it says leave notes they can tell me who they are um, or through Facebook. I'm in a lot of groups <laughs> and I'm very vocal in them. So um, yeah, they're, they're more than welcome to reach out. I've had many people do so um, privately and I appreciate it. And I'm very grateful for the communities that I'm a part of. I mean, without any of them and my best friend, I have to give a shout out to Valley Pet Sitting in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cher Winitsky runs it. Um, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So I, I'm going to give my love to her for that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I hope that people do reach out. I'd love to talk to them about it. It really will make everything so much better. Right. Well, Jill, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I really can't thank you enough for taking your valuable time and talking to us about it today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it. It was a lovely speaking with you today. What does it cost you to do that service? How much does it cost you to stay overnight in someone's home? This conversation is is really brought to us by by Lily, who unfortunately lost a long battle with cancer in September of 2023. She taught Jill a lot of lessons about priorities and life. And she's taught me and hopefully you about finding those priorities and actually making them a priority by dedicating our time and attention to them. That, ultimately, is a cost that we all have to take into account when running our business. Sometimes we can't avoid it. We have to spend time away to put food on the table, to pay the bills, to keep the lights on. That is a fact. Now, how do we balance that out and against with a life that we want to and need to leave outside of our business? That is a cost. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet, and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters for making today's show possible. And thank you so, so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 